as I was pondering what to uh, share, I sense there's a, there can be an imbalance when we speak about modesty. You know, the one ditch is we focus and desire styles, fashions. That's one ditch. The other ditch is those who are not, then we tend to maybe have a critical attitude against those others. So the burden on my heart is, let's find a balance. What really is important? So I've titled the message, The uh, Heart-Driven Modesty. In one way, I'm a little nervous. This is the first PowerPoint, hoping I've got everything arranged right. Um, but anyway, what really is modesty? You know, what What does modesty mean? You know, is it just the clothes we wear? Or is it really something deeper? And have you ever seen someone who's dressed very modest, but their attitude is very immodest? That's not modesty. So, on the... Uh, I went online in the dictionary. It's a state, which was kind of simple. Then reserve or propriety in speech, dress, and behavior. In all essence, humble, humility. Or lack of pretentiousness, it's just simplicity. What does God's word teach us? You know, Paul wrote in Romans 14, verse 23, in the end of that verse, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So really, why are you here today? Is it because of your faith? And the Holy Spirit has just drawn you here? Or is it more out of a duty where, what would others think if I wouldn't be here? If we're not here out of faith, it's sin that you're here. According to that scripture. It's hypocrisy. Not saying it can't be of value, because hopefully the Lord will speak to you and convict you. And why are you wearing what you're wearing? Is it because of your faith and you want to draw attention to God? Or is it out of duty because you're a member here at Berea and this is the way we dress? Remember, if it's not of faith, it's sin. God sees your heart and he sees hypocrisy. 
if your entire modest life is not out of faith, but more out of duty, God does not see you as faithful, as a faithful servant. He sees you as a hypocrite. So we must get this straight. The important part of modesty. Modesty must be driven from a broken and a contrite heart. A heart that is just devoted to God. So you can turn with me to Philippians 2, 1 to 8, or you can follow it on the PowerPoint. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any bowels or affection and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing... be done through strife or through selfish ambitions or vain glory, conceit, glorying in vain things. But in lowliness of mind, the Greek word means humiliation of the mind, i.e. modesty. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things or interests, but every man on the things or interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was, he was God. Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. But made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself of that. And took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. This is the mind we're supposed to have. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If you want modesty in a nutshell, I say here it is the humility of the heart. But today, there's so many in our churches would maybe rather read it this way. If you have consolation in Christ, if you've been comforted by his love, and if you have fellowship of his spirit, and if you have received his affection and mercy, then fulfill that joy by just doing your own thing. Don't be concerned about how you affect others. After all, it's their problem if they're offended. This is your life. You can only live it once, so live it to the fullest. Just take the easy road. It's much easier that way. Just make sure you're happy and comfortable. Is that how we're living? Is that what the Bible is teaching? Is he not teaching us as a body to be like-minded, sharing the same vision for the congregation? It says having the same love. That love is agape.
Do we have that sacrificial love for each other? Be of one accord, of one mind. We're co-spirited or oneness in the spirit. We should do nothing with a self-seeking attitude, but in modesty esteem others better than ourselves. We must always take into account that what I say, do, and where can and will affect others, positively or negatively. Are we showing others that we have the same mind of Christ? You see, he was a slave to God the Father. Where God sent, Jesus went. You see, God is always teaching us, take the high road. You know, that's where self cannot travel. That's where he wants us. He wants us to be like Jesus, so broken. So broken that we're like water. And where he pours, that's where we flow. That's where we go with very little resistance. And that's what God has been working on my heart. It's brokenness. Being willing to where he sends Go, no matter the cost. We must recognize the ultimate need for modesty. You see, sin in the garden, Adam and Eve, produced guilt. Guilt produces the shame, and shame needs a covering, requires a covering. Before sin entered the world, there was no guilt. Because there was no guilt, there was no shame. Because there was no shame, there was no need for a covering. Adam and Eve were naked. Sin has changed the world. You know, sin marred the interaction between men and women. Men and women were created to be mirrors of God's glory, but we turned ourselves into magnets for the attraction of others. Are we as a are we as a are we a mirror of God's glory, or are we trying to attract attention to ourselves? I'm not just talking about dress. I'm talking anything. The way we present ourselves at work. Are we trying to draw attention to ourselves? Are we drawing attention to God the Father? God made us for reflection, but we wake up in the morning geared for attraction. We are to be a radiant light for Jesus every day, all day. I'm going over to 1 Peter 3, verse 1 to 6. 
Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of, of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, that's modest behavior in fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and the wearing of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price, very precious. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. You see, in this context, he urges us to be modest in attitude and in dress, to be men and women of high character and undistracting in appearance. This scripture is not only for women. It includes us men. So I want to draw out several principles about modesty. Modesty has evangelistic power. So they may be won without a word by your conduct. Modest character has a quiet power. It is attractive and persuasive in a dark, desperate, competitive, self-conscious, attention-seeking world like ours. The people of the world dress so that others will see through their clothing. The children of God dress so that others will see past their clothing to their transformed character. That's what we want to attract, is that transformed character that has happened inside because of Jesus Christ. Not bringing glory to ourselves, that's vainglory. We're bringing glory to God in our life. So the one draws attention to self, while the other draws attention to Christ. Modesty shies away from extravagance. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing. Peter is not saying that we should neglect our appearance. Just don't let clothing, shoes, fashions, accessories, and styles be your focus and your obsession. Don't be extravagant and ostentatious and attention-seeking. Don't let that adorning, what makes you beautiful, be external. Scripture does not speak against the uh, presence of beauty, the enhancement of beauty, or the attraction to beauty. Scripture does not speak against that. We're to take care of our bodies. There's no blessing in being dirty and sloppy. Thinking we're more modest that way. God made us male and female, and he designed us to be physically attracted to the opposite gender. He also designed women 
with a gift. They're gifted to make things beautiful. They want things beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with that. See the excellent wife in Proverbs 31 dresses her family in vibrant and quality clothing. She produces and sells fine linen, fine clothes. And she produces, oh, sorry, val and valuable garments. Yet, Scripture also teaches that um, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And that can also be a man. So therefore, the modest shy away from distracting, enticing, and eye-catching extravagance. Modesty highlights internal character. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Okay, so Paul says that your adorning, what makes you beautiful, should be the invisible, the hidden beauty, the quiet attractiveness, gentle loveliness. No matter how many times we've heard it, or how cliche it may seem, but we need to hear it again. True beauty begins and centers in the heart. The most foundational article of clothing in, the, in a godly person's wardrobe is their character. The soft tones of a gentle and quiet spirit and the perfectly crafted fabric of a tranquil soul. Modesty is an imperishable quality, or it's incorruptible, beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. So everyone, look down on what you're wearing. How old are the clothes that you're wearing? Is anyone wearing any clothes that's over 20 years old? Clothes wear out. Why do we have sayings, that's so 80s, that's so retro, that's a blast from the past. Why do we have that? Because fashions change. That is why the wise don't, often don't care much about the styles. They've seen it come and go. They understand that fashion is more of a wave than an ocean. It's ever-changing and never same. Never fixed, sorry. The internal character produced by the Holy Spirit and molded throughout life is imperishable. This is a beauty that does not fade. It cannot be taken. Not by physical illness, not by fashion trends, not by cultural shifts, not even by death itself. That's the beauty we need to desire.
Do you want permanent, enduring, invincible, constantly improving beauty? Make investments in your character. Modesty is precious in God's sight. The person who lives with a God-saturated, Christ-imitating, gospel-transformed, and spirit-produced godliness is a treasure to the Father. Seek the kind of precious and valuable character that God cherishes. Develop the spiritual discernment of modesty. The spiritual discernment of modesty. Let's learn to think, shop, act, and dress like God's children. Here are some questions that we can ask ourselves about our clothing, our appearance, our motives, things we do. Why do I want to purchase or wear this? What's my motive? Am I seeking the pleasure of God or the attention of others? Is my heart becoming entangled with the cares of the world? How will my appearance affect others? Will I bring undue attention to myself? Will I be a distraction or worse, a stumbling block? What does my appearance say about me? Who and what am I identifying with? What does this say about my priorities? What kind of example am I setting for others? You see, our ultimate goal is not more clothing or better clothing. Our ultimate need is more righteousness and holiness. The gospel is the ultimate solution for immodesty. The righteousness of Christ has covered us, and we are now to dress as those who desire to make people notice that righteousness. We want people to see that God has clothed us, not that the name brands or styles of today have clothed us. We are wearing Christ. Let it be known. Show it. Christ was clothed with mocking purple robe and a crown of thorns so that I might wear his righteousness. He was undressed, uncovered and unexposed on the cross so that my sin and my shame may be covered. God dressed his own son in my wickedness so that I might be dressed in his holiness. Hallelujah. Christ paid in blood for my clothing. Am I showing it? And because the gospel is the ultimate solution for our widespread and comprehensive immodesty, it is also the ultimate motivation for our widespread and comprehensive modesty. 
We need our life to adorn the gospel beautifully. The gospel has clothed us, and now we should want to clothe the gospel. We're actually clothing the gospel. We as Christians, people see us. That's the way they see the gospel. What are they seeing? Are they seeing peace, contentment? Or are they seeing ungratefulness? Our lives should dress up the gospel to make it attractive, to entice people to Christ's righteousness and to his forgiveness and to his transforming power. So when you browse the clothing racks at your favorite store, when you slide your clothes off their hangers in the morning, when you stand readying yourself for the day in front of the full-length mirror, when you walk out the door in the morning, remember, you are addressing the gospel. Let's do it beautifully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. I see in my own heart that I'm really a wretch undone. Knowing I need your grace, your empowering grace. The Holy Spirit to empower us through this life. Would you enable us, Father, that we could be a reflection of you everywhere we go, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, Father, that you radiate in our lives, that we can be the light of the world. May we stay focused on true modesty. Lord, help us that we don't get so wrapped up in ourselves that we would not want someone to hold us accountable. But Father, that we are so broken that we welcome accountability from each other, that we have that same agape love, sacrificial love, that we just surrender ourselves to each other. But yet giving room for growth, room for differences. Father, help us to see and find that balance. so we can be effective in this world. Because, Father, we know that Satan desires to keep us ineffective. Doesn't matter how. So, Father, may we be on fire for you. That you have quickened our spirit 
you have made us alive, that we are spiritual beings. May we show it in our everyday lives. Bless each one for coming, Father. Pour out your blessing upon each one. And may we in return just bring you honor and glory in everything that we say and do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.